He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. Well, it's finally here. It's Spa 20, something we've all been looking forward to. And it's something we desperately need. We need to get our attention into something. Keeneland was too short, five days. Um, we need something that we can look forward to for a while. We've had no sports. And, and I'm just going to be open about myself. I, I, uh, I, we need, not I, but we need a diversion. We need something that can grab our attention and that we can enjoy collectively. Missing sports and not having sports or having things that we can root for has made our society a bit punchy. I think people are punchy. And they resort to looking at news and politics. and We need that outside interference we need that blocking of all this garbage that's happening in the world today. And we need to be able to enjoy something collectively, together. We all have our own opinions. We all have our own thoughts. We all have our own beliefs, wrong or right, left and right, middle. And Saratoga is going to give us an opportunity for us to come together. And um, I wanted to talk to you about Saratoga today. So I decided to bring in our producer in, producer extraordinaire, Uh Ron Flatter. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No pressure now. (laughs) Mr. Vuvuzela. Yeah. to come in and give us and let him host and talk to me and uh, and I can go over some of the things that I think you might want to know about Saratoga. We all can't, you know, most of us can't be there. 99% of us can't be there. But that doesn't mean that we can't feel like we're there. So, Ron, welcome. Um it's something that really uh, that I really want to have uh, been wanting to, to do for the last couple of days. Um, I finished my Thursday Saratoga, and I thought, hey, let's get my buddy Ron and let's talk spa. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. If only I've ever been in a position to actually ask you questions, but. Oh, wait a minute, I have. Well, this will feel like yeah, yeah, a have. very yeah. familiar circumstance. The only, thing I've, the only thing I've ever asked you to do is play Bubunzella on the show. That's true. And I did. Yes, you did. Yes. You did. And you did a damn good job. And we may have to rekindle that, <laughs> you know, because we need some Bubunzellas for Spa for tomorrow, for well, opening day. Well, may, well Maybe. <laughs> is the wife sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> um, what that is she? Okay, now I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. We're old. We should, Bruno. I this should is what we set do. Up, before the show, I should have set up overs and unders that your wife was sleeping. <laughs> That's right. We can make book on We're that. Living that down. 
Hey, I'm right there, too. You happened to catch me awake when you said, let's do a podcast. But you sent me a list of topics here, which are right in line with what I'm curious about to begin with. So why don't I tee you up and ask you about track conditions at Saratoga and at the Oklahoma track and how these two have a relationship as we go into the meet? Well, first of all, you know, they've added, they have, uh, they made some difference, uh, some changes to the main track. And I think they're responding on the main track. That is they're responding to the yearly complaints from horse players and, uh, and, owners and trainers mostly trainers where after it rains there's standing water on the track and it's really hard for that track to drain and and i i agree uh, you know you don't go to to many racetracks and find uh standing water after rains like churchill Churchill is one of the best tracks, and it drains very quickly. Uh, Keeneland can drain very quickly. Gulfstream and, you know, as I mentioned, Churchill are some of the fastest drying tracks that you'll, you'll find out there. So what did they do? They made it more like Belmont. They added more sand. They, I think it's only has a very small clay content, which clay holds the water in and moisture in. Which, if when you look at racetracks, you you want to keep moisture into the track. I know Steve Wood way back at Santa Anita used to use bark to try to get that water to stay in the track, and it created two different types of track. Um, so there's been a lot, a lot of different, many different um, expectations from a track with, with materials in it to keep the moisture. So they got rid of the clay. So mm-hmm. now they're going to have to put more water on this track. They want to make it like Belmont. When it gets hot at Belmont and that track gets deep, it becomes a beach. And you can't put enough water on it. Now, now, Ron, a lot of people don't understand the difference. A track man is going to tell you, without any water on that track, that track is slow. Mm-hmm. Because it's deeper. And automatically, people believe that if a track is deeper, it plays the closers. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not true at all. Because what happens if a track is deep and and dry, it becomes like a beach. And if you go on the beach on the soft, dry sand, and I start three lanes in front of you, Ron, mm-hmm. you're going to have a hard time catching up right. with me. Why? Because you're going to struggle over the surface as much as I am. Hmm. Horses with speed are going to dominate on loose, tiring, heavy, uh, uh, sandy beach tracks. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a procession. It becomes a, a, a merry-go-round. 
whoever gets out of the gate first, it's going to take a special effort for somebody to run you down because it's so much looser. When it's tighter with water in it, it plays more to horses being able to close. Hmm. So in a, in a lot, in, in many ways, a handicapper thinks in common sense, but it's common sense is not the real answer hmm. to what's really happening because they think the answer is if it's slow, it's closers. Not necessarily. So, what I'm looking for with this new track on the main is to be sandier. They're going to have to put a lot of water on it. Mm -hmm. And here's how you can tell. In the post parades, notice what the track looks like. If the track is darker or even if it looks sealed, then they're putting water on it. And they're keeping water on it. But if okay. it's very light, sandy beach-like, mm -hmm. you've got a deep track. That's how I adjust my own handicapping. By looking at the color of the track okay. and how it changes. Because they've been known to, between races, to douse it with water and float it. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's sealed. Interesting. So then they also redid the banking and the crown. The crown, the track, when you have banking, there's maybe a three to five degree tilt where the outside is higher than the inside. And horses don't have natural... Um, and I'm trying to remember what it's actually called. Tilting? A differential. Your car has a differential mm -hmm. that when you turn a corner, your tires on the outside rotate at a different speed than the inside. Mm -hmm. Horses don't have that. If you ran on flat turns, mm -hmm. horses on the outside would go to the outside. You'd have to have a net on the outside fence to catch them. <laughs> So you need to have a little bit of a bank that allows that outside horse to be able to handle it. The greatest one that I've ever dealt with was Del Mar. Del Mar had a tremendous banking, the old Del Mar, on the far turn. And on that far turn, it was banked in a way that when that track was wet and played to the outside... If you were four wide and nobody outside of you, you won. If it was, if you were four wide and somebody was five wide, the five wide would win, you would run second. Or if there was somebody six wide, the six wide horse would beat the five wide horse and then the four. Mm -hmm. Because the banking allowed them to accelerate and come off like a slingshot. Now, when that track was dry and no moisture in it, it played to the inside. We showcased the ability of calling that going way back to 2016 to the Delmar meet, Breeders' Cup, where 
on the morning of the Breeders' Cup, starting Friday, we wrote to all our clients and said, track's going to play to the outside. While everybody was looking what happened on Wednesday and Thursday, mm -hmm. which was speed on the inside, they were caught with their proverbial speedos down around their ankles <laughs> at Del Mar. And what was really funny about that, one of my men, one of my protégés that had broken off and gone on his own had spent the whole day on Thursday telling people speed on the inside is going to rule at Breeders' Cup because he had no working knowledge of what that track would be when that changed, when the tides changed at Del Mar. So, with, and put moisture into the track. Moisture is everything to a racetrack. Hmm. And I think this year at Saratoga, I'm going to be looking on if that track's going to play the inside with, with a dry track, the outside with, with water in it. Something to think about. Okay. Now, something else to think about, and uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to not give away the store here, but there is a line in your Thursday handicapping at Bruno with the works via Racing with Bruno. And it's this goes to the intangibles at Saratoga, and here's an example you talk about, and we're going to go to the Schuylerville. And this is a comment you made about Hopeful Princess. Train from the gate on the Oklahoma track in 48 and 3, which is really around a 47 or faster at any other venue. Does this go to the intangibles that you're talking about? Yeah, because each individual racetrack has its own way of clocking and timing gateworks. At Saratoga, if you're on the main track, and you're going to the gate. You cannot time those horses from the gate. Because the morning gate is in the chute located. And they put the gate right between the six and a half. And the six, and, and, and the six furlong. I think it's like 50 to 100 feet inside the six and a half pole. Mm -hmm. So. And that's in the chute. So how do you clock that? Right? Mm -hmm. You know, because you've got so now what you have to do is you wait till they break. They go for myself. I go to the to to the six and a half on the main and pick them up there and work them all the way out every every furlong all the way to the five sixteenth and then finishing their five eighths at the three sixteenth. You got to know your poles. Mm hmm. The clockers there, that's another issue we will talk about in intangibles. Understanding how the clockers do it is paramount because they wait till the three-quarter pole and tack on 13. And I'm going to tell you something. Huh. Any horse that goes from the gate in 13 will never, ever, ever win anything other than cheap maiden claiming unless they're silky sullivan <laughs> horses don't go 13 from the gate they are taught to have speed at saratoga the clockers take the edge most of the time 
horses out of the gate go 12, 11 and 4, 12, 1. Here at Keeneland is around 12, 1. And they have about a 50 foot run to the pole. So every gate clocking you see on the main track is usually about a second faster than what they're giving you. Okay. On the Oklahoma, it's a completely different situation because on the Oklahoma, they have a small gate located in the chute. Really, the horses break from the gate from a hole in the ground. <laughs> and there's zero run-up. It's one jump, and there's the pole. I, at Saratoga's Oklahoma track, I clock right from the gate. They could wait till the eighth pole and hit 13. I'm not sure. But when you have horses breaking from the gate, and there's no run-up, mm -hmm. and I'll give you an example, Palm Beach Downs. If you watch Palm Beach Downs Gateworks on XBTV, you notice that they just, they, <laughs> they hand, there is a guy standing behind the gate with a rope popping the gates open, okay? Mm -hmm. There's no electricity, I guess. <laughs> so those horses break out of there with the gates being open, and that's when you start timing. So they'll go at Palm Beach Downs, they'll go the first quarter in 25 and 3. That's without no, without any run-up, nothing. That's really equivalent to about a 24-flat opening quarter. Mm -hmm. So you've got to understand what each individual gate, what each individual track situation is with their morning gate. Gulfstream, they have it in the shoot now. It's right when they pop the gate. So if they go 24 and 4, that's really like a 23 and change. So when I look at those times, in my mind, I already know the difference. But, and I want to bring everything together from main track to Oklahoma. So I need to be able to compare the Oklahoma to the main track. If the main track is – their workouts are pretty fast. If they give 48 and 3, that's a 47. Well, if they go on 49, 48 and 4 on, on Oklahoma, that's usually about a 47 if you adjust it. So you need to know as a handicapper, mm -hmm. you need to understand each individual track that you're looking at those works at because those works from the gate are not constant with every track around the country. And it's good you bring this out in your report. So if you're a subscriber already, a consumer of Racing with Bruno, you know this. And if you're not clear, crisp, and complete, that's what you get in these reports. Not to sound like an infomercial. I'm actually just reading off the page right in front of me, and I'm seeing it as I speak. So with that in mind, not only is the context of workouts important, and you have been preaching that since the day I met you, so are the nuances that you're talking about. And it's not just with the intangibles, but let's get to something more obvious. Shippers coming into Saratoga. 
And they're going to be going with a whole new set of conditions in some respects because we did hear about jockeys not being able to come to Saratoga now from out of town. And those that leave the track are going to be gone. So you're pretty much going to see the same jockey quality all summer long. But what about shippers? And how do you look at it in terms of this particular meet? Well, this throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into the whole shippers because now the trainers coming in have to use the jocks that are on the grounds. Um, it's if I was bringing a this is just my particular thought. Mm-hmm. If I was bringing a horse into Saratoga, I'd want to bring my own jock. Sure, and. And for a lot of different reasons, I won't go into this. But horses coming in from outside, and and let me, let's first of all let's define shipper. In statistics, a shipper is list is is called a shipper when he ran at a different track the time before. Mm-hmm. So let's say Ron let's say Ron Flatter ran a Laurel last time out. Okay. Today's running a Saratoga. He's a shipper. Mm-hmm. However, if Ron Flatter is, is stable and his home was Saratoga, meaning uh. he trained at Saratoga, went down to Laurel, ran at Laurel, came mm-hmm. back to Saratoga, and now running at Saratoga, he's not a shipper because he's actually going out of his own stall. Hmm. That's not a shipper. So it's deceiving in the sense that everybody could be a shipper for the first few days, right? Exactly. While if you are stabled at Laurel, ran at Belmont, went back to Laurel, and now you come to Saratoga, yes, you are a shipper. (laughs) So I separate those. I separate those types of shippers and over the years my biggest hits at saratoga have been with horses coming from other places Hmm. this year we will have that the jockey colony will have control of those shippers Hmm. and this puts the jockey colony at saratoga in complete control of the fields. It's not just jockeys, though, Bruno. Trainers and owners and, of course, the familiar names every year at Saratoga. But how might this year be different from the horseman's point of view? I I think... I I don't believe there will be less of a... excitement about running your horse at Saratoga. Right. Um... I always kind of smirk when people feel sorry for the owners that they can't go see their horses run. Um, and I agree. I mean, it'd be great. You know, everybody buys a horse to go get to see him run and get a picture taken. But on the other hand, this is the hand we're dealt with. Right. And bitching and complaining ain't going to get you anywhere. Just be happy you have a horse running at Saratoga. And hopefully you win. Mm-hmm. You still get a picture. You just your butt ain't going to be in there. 
Photoshop. And maybe for some of us, for some of us, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you so know. Photoshop to Photoshop or not to Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. My, my favorite story about the winter circle was when Eric Gio won his first race at, at Saratoga and he tried to walk into the winter circle with his shorts on. And, and that almost became like a beef, a brawl. Um, and uh, it was quite interesting to me that, you know, that uh, he still got the picture in the winter circle with his shorts on and security couldn't do anything about it. But, yeah, somebody tried to stop him, you know. Uh, so Not everywhere is like Del Mar. <laughs> you know well, let's not even – hey, one time I got rushed out of – I mean, we date heat it. And they got the other horse in first, and we came and we were coming in behind them, and they tried to hush us out, usher us out of, of the winter circle. I said, "What are you doing? I just we dead heat it. Right? The other horse. Well, hurry up. I mean, yeah, come on. Well, hurry up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hurry up. And what okay. if it was a triple dead heat? You come back after the day's over with. I mean, really? Yeah. yeah. No pressure. Right. Hurry up. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's perfect. We move on. Well, and we'll talk about the the history and how it plays in. We'll talk about the new normal. But one of the things I do want to ask you on your own behalf is what kind of exclusive information you're going to be offering that will be available nowhere else except at RacingWithBruno.com. Well, we got Mike Saratoga out there. We're going to have um, uh, our, our newest addition, Jerry. He is down, in, um, down at Belmont. Uh, and I'll be in Keeneland. And we've got a number of other information from from other players. Uh, I mean, from other uh, tracks mm-hmm. with the with some of these shippers coming in to, uh, uh, including Kentucky with Churchill and 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 Keeneland uh, coming into uh, Saratoga, California. So we will uh, we will be the only workout report that will have those shippers coming in, real shippers coming in to run, and those are always worth following. And uh, I'm looking forward to having to be able to give that information because I know nobody else will have it. That's great. Racingwithbruno.com, as always, to find how to get your way in. And I'm a be- horse player. Hey, yeah. Ron, I'm a horse player. That's the other you thing. Know, I, I, um, you know, I, I, I know what... I think like a horse player on what I would want to use. And one thing that does frustrate me is how some horse players really, really hurt their own self uh, with uh, silliness or, you know, for example, I I think as a horse player, if we can go into this particular part Mm -hmm. as an intangible, a horse player has to be honest with themselves on what they do know and don't know. If you know you do something well, use it. But if you know you don't do something well, then get information that makes you better at it. Mm -hmm. A lot of horse players fall short of that. Another part, horse players blame everybody but themselves. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) Jockeys, trainers, juice, this. When you blame everyone else, you're not looking at your own faults to be able to say, 
do I make this mistake all the time as a horse player? Mm-hmm. I find myself making sure I don't make a mistake more than once. A great example was the other day at Keeneland. There was a first-time starter. I had a four-star work on him, Palio Flag. And I went back and looked at the history, and I had some stuff from last year when she was a Chad Brown. Now she's a Steve Asmussen. And I had a couple of notes in that I I didn't quite like her um, at Saratoga as a two-year-old. I liked her here at Keeneland, but it's just something that was bugging me about her. Well, when it rained and the track was different, right? she skipped over it. I made a note to myself in the post parade, and I said, she's just skipping over the ground. She's never done that you know, in front of me before. Well, guess what? She had foot problems. So the softer ground really helped. Ah. I I outthought myself, and then the difference in the weather and in the footing really, really helped her out. So that's something, you know, that I need to keep in mind when there's a possibility of some surface changes or or weather. Another reason why handicappers sometimes hurt themselves is they're they don't they don't read the past performances correctly. They quickly go through. If a horse has a bad effort last time out, they toss it out. I go two, three, four efforts down. I like history. I'm a big history fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of watching and and learning from what's happened in the past. And one of some of my huge scores have been watching horses over the years and and for i'll give you a great example okay i I had a first time starter in in january 5th 2012 in october that year this horse his name was gentleman's bet wayne catalano had okay he trained at keeneland in october and i had him 32 4 44 4 57 and change out of the gate. It was blistering. It was the day when they had the synthetic and it just flew over. I put him on my list to follow. He worked after the day after the Breeders' Cup. At No, the day of the Breeders' Cup. It was at Churchill Downs mm-hmm. that year. And he went 101, which is in my book a 59 at the old Churchill, the way they used to have it there. That's a 59 anywhere. So that validated that horse for me. Doesn't run at Churchill that fall. He has, he shows up at Gulfstream for Catalano with two half miles and 48 and three. Mm-hmm. Under a hammer lock, big hold. I remember the horse. Now he shows up in a main with Pletcher, Chad Brown. Uh, there was a horse coming over from for David Brady from Gulfstream Park West. And I remember I was there 
with my partner and I'm like, this horse ain't going to lose. It's freakishly fast. Mm -hmm. And and they're just putting the lightning touches on them. What was happening is that every time that horse worked huge out of the gate, back in October and then in November, little things popped up. And Catalano, after the second time the horse worked and did that, said, okay, when you work fast, you come up with things. I'm not going to let you work fast anymore. You're fit. I'll get you fit, but you're not working fast. And so nobody knew anything. Nobody remembered what we had seen at Keeneland and then at Churchill. Right. Maybe they weren't even there. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting with, you know, with my partner in the paddock, and he opens up the 17 to 1 and floats up the 37. Joe Rocco was on. I, I was betting with both hands. Horse goes off at 37 to 1 and wins by 7. That's a day to remember. That, <laughs> this is why you remember the day. <laughs> you know, and there was some other circumstances that I should have walked out of there with $300,000. I got beat by a nose with a 70 to 1 shot that had a $200 exacta. I had a trifecta, and I had all pick threes all lined up. But to make a, 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 a long story short, I used history there to help me. And it's happened to me over the years is finding stuff on horses that I've had in the past Mm -hmm. to do very well with in the future. Hence, we have our our saying um, that we scope out the present, shake out the past, and keep an Mm -hmm. eye out on the future. It's true. That's where it came from. And rest in peace, Mr. Henry Lee, Tennessee, who came up with that Mm -hmm. one day in in your town, Las Vegas. So... When I look at history, I look for stuff that I've had in the past that I've had experience, and it's exclusive info that we can go back on, and I and I can say, okay, I remember this horse. What's he done since, and how can I maximize this information? And that's the way to do it. A lot of people, I get disappointed sometimes when people don't understand what we do. We just don't go out in the morning and go, who was that, and what did you get? You know, we put a lot of work on understanding what horses are, and and who they are and what they are. You know, I watch all these these sales and try to understand each sire and work on horses' mentalities and, and things like that. So maybe it's me, Ron. My communication is not as falling short or isn't clear. However, I feel that sometimes handicappers would be better served if they listen. Instead of wanting to tell you who they like or how much they know, listen. Um, also, handicappers will be frequently surprised what they can learn from other people. Yeah. And, and, and developing their own emotional intelligence to be able to handle what somebody else says, learn what they're trying to say, and, and, and use it for their own good for whatever part. And that's the kind of players we get. We get those people that have that mentality of saying, I am not egotistical enough to know everything. I can use Bruno's stuff with my stuff, make it my own, and cash at the windows. Mm-hmm. Also, also, another thing that hurts handicappers, since we're at it for this summer, mm-hmm. is the lack of empathy. Um Understanding others who are playing the races 
can help you understand why your horses are bad. Okay. I hear this all the time from TV analysts trying to tell you why those people are betting that horse. For me, if I've got a big gate work on a horse and he's 15 to 1 on the board, I'm already in my mind expecting that horse to be half because horses are gate big gate works, strong gate works show up on the tote board. So instead of being surprised and going, oh, whoa, that horse is five to one, you already know that's happening and you know why it's happening. And let's say you don't like the horse in the race and he's bet for 15 to five and you know it's because of that big gate work that he had or because somebody touted it on, on another report. It's easier for you to look at it and say, okay, I get where that's coming from. I don't need the, I don't need the bite. Mm -hmm. That's not bait for me. So when you have that and you understand and feel what other players are feeling in that race and why they're gravitating and making wagers or touting horses or things like that, and, and on, on social media you get – all sorts of people that want to tell you how much they know right. and how they, they usually are a microcosm of what people think in general. So in my position, if I really like a horse and I think I have inside info and that horse gets hammered, mm -hmm. I'm pretty much going to be pulling the rug out from under my own feet saying, okay, I'm, I'm not nah, too many people. know, too many people like too many people are on the same horse. Why? Why? Let me understand why they're doing that. And sure enough, other things pop up. You had big figures, sheet numbers. The other rock rocker report is, is touting it. So that's you have to have a, a feel for what's happening on that tote board. And you have to feel in control to know why a horse is back. In terms of history that you were talking about and everything that you've mentioned here how would you apply it particularly to this meet you know it's amazing how every year you know the, the condition books doesn't change much year to year no even this year it may move right. some dates around but conditions are pretty much the same yeah right but the same cast of characters will do the same things for example you will get some guy from laurel coming up and scoring with a first-time starter you will get some guy coming in from from uh, California and win a stakes race. You have that. Ha it ha it's almost like deja vu all over again. <laughs> also, I believe horses run. I think animals, horses, dogs, cats, animals can smell time. And what I mean by that, and there's a lot of work on that from scientists on it. Not that people are flocking to scientists right now. Right, right. But, they're, you know, and, and, and that's how animals know when to migrate. That's when animals know when the seasons are coming. They can smell it, smell time. Mm -hmm. And I think horses 
can remember where they had success at, just like we did. I know at Saratoga, because I've done it every year, I've had major score. I can smell it. That's where it comes from. When people say, oh, I can smell it. And I don't panic if I'm not grasping things right away. I know it comes. I can smell that. And when it does, oh, my God. When you get on those rolls, you can just smell winning. You can, you know it. And I think horses do, too. If a horse has had a lot of success at a certain time of year, he gets to that time of year, he remembers that. It's almost like ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. So you go look at horses. How many times you get a horse winning on the same day or almost to the day that he did the year before? Why there's the horses for courses at Del Mar? Because they remember what they did last year. Mm-hmm. They remember they did well. So I count on that a little bit. And and people will say it in a different language. And this is what comes in where understanding people. Where people see the horses for horses record. I look at it from the standpoint that the horse knows he's done well here. Same thing. We're just coming from two different opposite ends. So with history... I want to look at history. I want to know if a horse was training well at Saratoga last year. And he got hurt. Now I wonder, does he remember getting hurt? Because he didn't have any... He did not have... When he was working well last year, he didn't have anything that happened to reinforce that he was doing good. He remembers, most likely, last time I was here, I got hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. I would think that way. And I think horses very much feel horses are extremely emotional animals. And those emotions of those around them affect them. And I think that's another reason why when a trainer gets hot, horses get hot. That feeling. So I look for that. I look for guys all of a sudden to go on a run. I look for, for certain barns that, okay, or a jock. A jock starts hot, I start riding them. Because history has told me that that's when is the time to play. And then you get the jock that's one for 39, right? Mm-hmm. And he's on the horses you like. You're like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> There's a good chance you'll be one for 40 after your horse. Right. They're not bringing that confidence on board that horse where you have a guy with confidence that gets on a horse and they just fly for him. So I, I also watch that. So history is very important to me and the way that the history plays itself at this time of the year is, is I remember things that happened five years ago. And also trainers are not the guys that are going to go to a track and they've been over 75 over. They're not going to go there. They make no money. You know, so that's something to think about when you're okay. handicapping. Something else to think about is the fact that we are going to have a very different feeling Saratoga meet. The absence of fans and the energy that goes with them will be felt in many, many ways. How will you be looking at the new normal in the pandemic meet of 2020? 
Any horse that's losing his mind in the paddock with no fans is going to be a complete toss to me. No excuse, right? No. And any horse that gets all riled up on the track or an, a notorious bad actor minding his P's and Q's. I like to look for a horse in the paddock that basically acts like he's half asleep. <laughs> Until they put the, the they cinch up the, the girth on. And then I'm going to see a little bit of picking up the head. The quietest ones are always the ones you want to watch for. People look at these horses that are on their toes, you know, right. and I'm doing it with my hands. Yeah. And they're going out on the track. Oh, God, look at him. He looks so good. He looks ready. That's the kind of horse that by the time he gets to the gate, he's soaking wet. I one thing I bet against, and if I like a horse and he's got piston legs, and when you see a horse with piston legs, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Right. Where they're putting those feet down like pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh, no. That's sign of a uh, lot of nervousness. So when I'm looking at horses on the track here at Saratoga, and they exhibit signs of being over the top. Because you can put a horse over the top by doing too much with them in the morning. And they work really fast right before the race. And you're like, I do that when I'm handicapping. And I just kind of went, there was one of them that I had a big work. And I downgraded it um, in, in the handicap. Because I went, it just worked six days ago. And he went like a minute out of the gate. Really? You know? All the major trainers have a really easy work prior to the race. Asmussen, they were 50. 38s and 50s mm-hmm. a week out. Mark Cassie, 38s and 50s and 51s a week out. You work 59, 59 for, for, for a Mark Cassie barn and into the race with no easy works? Eh, no, no. You're telling me that that 59 that you worked two back did not do the job. You had to come back and do it again. No, I would have seen the 50 there. That's into the mindset of the trainer. Chad Brown, he never works horses fast. And he lets them come in into the race on their own. But with his horses, you got to know that if they go 50 for the half, they really went 102 and out at 15 and change or 16 mm-hmm. for three quarters. So they did a lot more. If they went 101 or 102, they went 14 and 4, 15 and went out in 129 for seven eighths. Todd Fletcher, if it shows up as a 48 and 3, that was a minute 4 and guarantee you out in 14 and 4 and 7 eighths and 129. So just because they showed those halves, don't think that they horse pulled up two feet after that. They went on. They just what the clockers are giving you. Mm-hmm. And I got in an argument with a handicapper one time. He goes, well, that's what he worked. See, I had him 101 and out 13 and change. Well, that's what he worked. No, he didn't. He went 101 out, 113 and change. I was there. Well, that's what he put up. My favorite example was uh, Taprit going into the Travers two years ago. Mm-hmm. He, they had him at a 50 and 2. Well, he really went 50 flat, 101, 2, 13 and 4, and galloped out in 27 and change. But we didn't see that. 
No, you saw the 50 and 2. Right. That's the the intangible part of knowing that these, these clockers are out for themselves and not for you. They're not clocking for you out there. And I'm talking to everybody out there. They're not clocking for you. They're clocking for them and their clients so they can bet. That's why they take a whole full second as their own from the gate. Uh, in New York, they, they mess with the workout rankings where you can't go by them. And most of the bowler works out in New York are bullshit. But Rick Dutro got 10 years. Yeah, any thoughts on that, by the way? He withdrew his application in Kentucky effectively knowing that he wasn't going to win his way back in. I think I made my statement right there. Just the bullshit. Okay. Well, because I have written about it. I've got mounds of evidence that if there was ever a court case, I've got it in front of me. you got videos showing that horses have been completely... um, uh, The workout rankings have been completely manufactured, manipulated... And nothing happens. Nobody does anything. And that's New York. It doesn't happen here at Keeneland. It doesn't happen down in Florida. Well, maybe a little bit at Gulfstream Park West. But that's like Vietnam. You know, nobody... Nobody wants to go there. Hmm. Um, It's just in New York during the meet, you've got you've got a collusion to confuse and keep the race fans, and it's collusion in the clockers' booth to keep racing fans from understanding what's really going on out there. That's one thing I take a lot of pride in. I take a lot of pride in in making sure that my stuff's correct. And every year, they never make any money. Anyway, so they, they do all of that work. <laughs> they always get killed. So I kind of went off on a, on a little bit of a, of a rant there. But unless you do that and you don't put it out, straight to racing fans they don't get it so the new normal sometimes is the old normal it it, it is and i think this year there'll be situations where i think more people will try to advantage take advantage of it um all i can do is i can promise our subscribers that i will be on top of it and I will be very vocal in our handicap when I think, when I smell bullshit. You know, one of my favorite games of all time is the game Bullshit. Not sure I've ever played it, Bruno. Uh, it's where you, it, it's a card game. And it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you could Maybe you should do a separate podcast on lessons on how to play bullshit. You know, it's just... I'm half serious. <laughs> hey, some of us can smell bullshit a mile away. I'd like to think I can, yeah. 
and some other people can't. Mm-hmm. You know, gullible. They mm-hmm. believe. So it is what it is. But in this case, my subscribers, people that are spending their hard money with us, I, I want to give them the straight shot. Right or wrong, they're going to get the straight shot. So, Ron, what I'm really looking forward to this meet is using all the using all my library, using all my my uh, tricks of the trade mm-hmm. when I play this meet and trying to mentally understand the situation as I mentioned earlier and see where we can come up with a plan and 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 to anticipate some of the things that are going to happen i anticipate the track to play from inside to outside depending on on the moisture in the track i'm expecting speed to be very very good if the track is is dry and brittle i'm expecting to see shippers come in and Depending on jock assignments, I think they will do very, very well. Um, I'm expecting to see um, certain trainers and owners do very well. The Micropolis, the Michael Dubs, the Andrew Rosens, the Barry Schwartz. Those are the kind of guys. The Waterford Stables, the Clarevich, the Peter Brands. Those are the guys that win every year at a high percentage. And I want to be on them. When they are going to win. Um, there's a race on Friday that Chad Brown has four in. And all four can win. Because they're all four capable horses. So. It's going to take a little bit of extra work to compare them. And see how that race shapes out. And who does it actually favor. That's going to be real important. Jockey assignments. Who's riding for who. And let's say Tyler Gaffleone's riding for Maker, right? Mm-hmm. And today, Tyler Gaffleone, Maker's got one coming in, uh, coming in from Belmont. And Tyler gets off and rides for a no-name trainer. I'm going to be looking at that Tyler horse because he usually rides for Maker. Or Tyler rides a big horse and Maker comes in one from Kentucky and Tyler shows up on that one. I'm going to be looking at that horse. Mm-hmm. So jockey assignments, I'm really going to play heavily into. And also how jockeys hold mounts for each other. Irad, who's he using? When Irad doesn't get off a horse, goes on another horse, he's going to win with that one, but he wants to keep the mount on, on the one that he got off. So he puts a specific rider on there. So I'm going to well, know that horse, and I'm going to follow that horse and see where Irad shows up next. Those are the kind of things. Irad and Jose hold mounts for each other. Irad and other jockeys have understanding. They hold mount. They they have mounts for each other. And I don't mean hold as in physically hold. They hold as right. far as being able to say, "Hey, I can't write for you today, but I'm gonna get Luis on, and you know, and next time out, I'll write for you back." So those little things. So those are the things I'm gonna be watching a lot, and I'll note those on the sheet. Ron, I want to thank you for helping me out with our Saratoga Primer. A pleasure. It's always great. Stay cool in Las Vegas. For all of you out there, we're ready to rock and roll for Saratoga. You can go to racingwithbruno.com, see all we have to offer. Uh, If you have any questions, you can email me at bruno at racingwithbruno.com. 
Let's go up to the spa. Let's go have some fun. And let's kind of have some normality in this new normal. Have a great day. And great meet. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.